dismissed for Junior Church. If you have your Bible, I encourage you to take it. Turn to Romans chapter 13. That's the main passage we'll look at. By the way, I wish you all had my perspective from up here. I thought Gina's face was going to light up like a light bulb when she saw her kid playing up here. I thought that was pretty cool, Gina, but uh, anyway. I have decided uh, to preach one sermon on government, and then I realized I had 28 pages of notes, and that I was only going to get to two verses out of everything that I wanted today. So um, I'm not going to preach 10 sermons, but I am going to preach a number of sermons. And there's a reason I'm doing it, because there is a lot of things Uh, There are a lot of things being said about the political process right now. That's true. That's not so much what I'm going to preach on. What I want to preach on is what does the Bible say and what is my responsibility. In fact is, I took for my sermon title off of what Peter was talking about last month when he was talking about that as Christians we are to be good stewards. And so I'm going to entitle this Stewards of Government, which simply means this. The right, good, and proper use of everything that God has entrusted to us. In our country, we have rights and privileges that most of the world would give the right arm for. And sometimes we squander them away. I have heard so many unbiblical concepts in the past six months about government and what people were thinking that I've decided that I am going to uh, definitely at least one sermon, and I don't know how many it is now. uh, But what it's not going to do is tell you who to vote for. But I will talk about how we use that stewardship that we have. How do we use it? Are there principles from the Word of God that we can use in determining what we want to do? I'm not going to tell you what laws should or shouldn't be passed, but here's what I will do. I will encourage you to take a stand on the issues that have a biblical basis. There could be all kinds of them, but that's what I'm going to do. Because if the Bible says something is true, then it's true no matter if it's in your personal life or in this church or in the government. And so we'll talk about some issues. We will definitely do that. We are not going to talk about changing the world by changing our government. That's not going to happen. In fact is, what we're going to talk about is how I, you, can be salt and light regardless of who is in government. And that we absolutely do. fact is, there is a I don't know how prominent it is, but there's a line of theology going through the church today called dominion theology, which simply means if the church gets it right and Christians get it right, we're going to rule the world and we can change the world. Folks, I do not see that in the Bible. In fact, is what I see in the end is just the opposite. Uh, God is going to take the church out and it just keeps getting worse and worse. In fact, in my lifetime, 64 years now, um, no matter who's been in office, it seems like it all kind of goes downhill, sometimes faster and sometimes slower and sometimes a little bleep of, of hope in that direction. But the truth of the matter is, if you're depending on government to solve our problems, you're looking in the wrong direction. I'm not telling you they don't have responsibility. I'm just saying if you think that a certain person 
gets elected, everything's going to be fine. Another person, everything's going to be horrible. Uh, You're living in la-la land because that is not going to happen. This is not that government is going to make mankind better. Only God can do that. Only the work of Jesus Christ can do that. Only God working in us and through us can help make things better. But the truth of the matter is, government does not change anyone's heart. That's the prerogative of God alone. And of course, God won't force us to do what is right. So we're not going to make God better by any political means. But what we can do is we as Christians, we as a church, can show people that there's a better way. A way that's above what the world has to offer. Not against government. Just say, there's a better way. A higher standard than any government. I don't care what government it is. uh, Then they can come up. It is not to make our leaders better politicians. But to see them transformed by the power of Christ. By the way, I'm going to encourage you. I didn't put any slides or give you any paper. I might next week. But there are three passages of Scripture that I would like you in your devotions or sometime when you have some time, read them over before next week. Romans chapter 13. Read the first seven verses for sure. 1 Timothy chapter 2 verses 1 to 4. That's the one I'm going to talk about here in a moment. And 2 Timothy chapter 2 verses 13 to 17. All three of them give the same concepts but from a different take. They are absolutely uh, together in what they say. But when I said transformed by Christ, here's what it says. That we are to pray in 1 Timothy chapter 2. We are to pray for those in authority. And we are to pray that they would come to the knowledge of truth. Wow, big lack of that. And we are to pray that they would be saved. You see, what we want is transformed people. And if you have transformed people, they act in a very different way than they would have otherwise. And so, let's face it, folks. If we are not constantly praying for those in authority over us, we are not being good stewards of what God has entrusted to us. One of those things that He's entrusted is prayer. And prayer very specifically... It doesn't say that I know anywhere, pray for your husband or pray for your wife or any of those things. Obviously, those things are covered. But it very specifically says, pray for those over you. So let's face it, if you want to talk about politics and you want to talk about those things, if you haven't prayed first, eh, you kind of got it out of whack. Good stewardship says, pray for those in authority. By the way, you can pray for the next ones in authority. Uh, Either way. Here's what I do really want. I want us not to be better citizens, but to be better Christians. I've lived long enough where there were Christians who got together and said, if we are better citizens, that will make us better Christians. Pretty much a dismal flop. It kind of went down the tubes real quick. But here's what I do know. If you are living the Christ-like holy life, 
It will absolutely make you a better citizen. That's the way it needs to be. That's what I'm going to emphasize. Now, if you heard my wife and I in the discussion, I go and I'm theology is the bottom line. What the Bible says is the bottom line. My wife gets so wrapped up and every now and then somebody this morning was calming her down because she was getting animated about political things. By the way, if you want to know what's going on about politics, ask her. That's what I do because she keeps up on those things. And it's a good thing I do because I know what's going on. On the other hand, she'll say, Paul, uh, what about this? Is this the right way to see this? You know, so the point is, I'm not saying one's bad or one's good. In fact, is by the time I'm done, you're going to understand that the government, the, those in authority, the rulers over us, were actually given to us by God, by His design. And you go, hold it a second. They didn't understand how messed up our country is when they wrote that. Oh, the Apostle Paul knew more than you think. Because the Apostle Paul wrote Romans chapter 13, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, obviously. But he wrote it in the context of Roman emperors. Those guys were despicable. They were horrible. They were immoral. Immoral. They were perverts. They were, you name it. 14 out of 15 of them were homosexuals or pedophiles. They were horrible guys. And the Apostle Paul said, hold on a second, I have something to say to you. Pray for them. Oh, and by the way, you have a stewardship that they never had. You actually have a say in the next person in office. You actually have a say in that. You have a vote. And I'm going to encourage you to register to vote. And if you can't vote, get an absentee ballot. I'm not doing that this morning, but I'm going to tell you, I'm going to go there. Because guess what? There are those that say, you know what? By the way, I've jokingly said, I'm going to stand at the polling place and I'm going to hand out clothespins. So that when you go to vote, you can go like this and vote. Okay. Some people thought it was funny, some didn't, but anyway, uh, it doesn't matter. But you know what? I have heard people say, you know what? I'm not going to vote. I don't like anybody. Some people have told me I don't like the normal candidate that I would vote for, so I'm going to just vote for the opposite person just because I don't like this other person. You know, some people just, I'm not going to vote, or, um, you know, I'm going to write in Mickey Mouse and stuff like that. The truth of the matter is, we have a stewardship entrusted to us. And we need to use that stewardship. No matter what area of life it is, we need to use what God has given us in a right, good, and proper way. We're not going to spend a lot of time on that. We're going to look at the view, the biblical principle of why we have government. Now, I know government's got their fingers in just about everything. I am not anti-government. If I was anti-government, then I have to be arguing against what God says. I am not anti-government. But I definitely have a, a voice and I have an opinion. In case anybody doesn't know, I have an opinion about everything. Not all of them are good. But if I have a biblical opinion, that's the one that counts. And so that's where I'm going to stick with. But we're going to skip back to the first book of the Bible before we get into Romans chapter 13. Because the first mention of man being involved 
in society governmentally. It doesn't say government anywhere. It doesn't say rulers or authorities or any of those things. It just simply says that there was a purpose that God gave government. It's in in Genesis chapter 9, starting in verse 1. It says, And God blessed Noah and said to his sons, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Well, they had heard that before. That was from the very beginning. He had told them on the week of creation, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Then you know they went corrupt. And God wiped out everybody except Noah's family. And now they're starting over. The ark has now landed. And they're back out on dry land. And God says this. In verse 6. Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God he made man. You see, he said to them, you are to procreate and fill the earth. Multiply. And then when the flood is over, he says, oh, and by the way, I'm going to put something in place. Because if you wantonly, recklessly, willfully take someone's life, we call that premeditated murder. If you do that, man is to bring judgment. So here's what it comes down to. Governments involved in all kinds of things. But ultimately and primarily, the government is for our protection. As they say, enemies from without, enemies from within. It doesn't matter whether it's the military or the police. They are there, and I like to say, so that I can without fear walk down the sidewalk. I can without fear stand up here and say what I need to say. So that you can do the same. You see, government was put into place to protect us. So that we could do what is good and right and proper. That's what government is for. From the very beginning. And I can prove that because the other verses, the ones I already told you about, they also back this up. And I can go back in the Old Testament and look at the kings in the Old Testament and say the exact same thing over and over again. doesn't mean they were all right. But from Genesis, you can't fill the earth if you're killing everybody. Just cannot do that. But let's turn now our attention to Romans chapter 13. We're only going to look at the first two verses this morning. Uh, We have a lot of things to say. But there it says, and I'm just simply going to read the first two verses. Let every person be in subjection to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those which exist are established by God. Therefore, he who resists the authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. This whole concept is that God has established something, and he will call them ministers of God. Same ver, uh, same word that is used for someone who teaches a Sunday school class or is a pastor or a missionary. Same word. Someone who's a minister. And God says, I sent them. I'm the one that has established human. Did it the whole way back in Genesis chapter 9. And then the Old Testament shows us how he worked through the kings and the judges and all these other folks. We'll look back there later on. But he says, 
I want you to know that every person, there are no exceptions here, it says, let every person be in subjection to the governing authorities. The way that is say, put there is you make a choice to personally, consistently put and recognize them as authority. I didn't say you agree with everything. The fact is, this passage has very little to do with motive. It has to do with cut and dry. This is what God says. In fact, is the way this is written, the word subjection is a command. It's not an option. If you're going to be a good steward of what God has given you, we have a responsibility to be in subjection. We're commanded to be in subjection to the government. You say, hold it a second. Is that always true? The answer is no. There are some very well-defined exceptions to that. We're not going to go there today. If the government says that you have to do something that is totally against the Bible, totally immoral or unethical, and they're forcing you to do it, you can say, no way, I have to obey God rather than man. We'll look at that later. But... By and large, you are to be in subjection. I want to scream when I hear on TV, some young man with a gun or whatever won't stop when the police tell him to stop and just says, you know what, I'm going to do whatever I want. And then he gets himself hurt or killed and I go, why can't you understand God gave government to protect everybody, including you? But you know what? If you're in rebellion and you're not in subjection, you say, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. It's just totally backwards. God says, no, subjection. I'll tell you what. You want to know if I really think this is a fun sermon to preach? The answer is no. Because sometimes I want to scream and yell and say, God, you got this one wrong. Look how messed up the government is. Look how that person, look at their character. Look at the law they... You know what? It doesn't give any exceptions for those things. Just like it didn't give any exceptions for those despicable, just perverted Roman rulers. It didn't do that. And just think, you may live in a country where it's just a dictatorship and you get what what is there. God says... No, no, no. Here's what it comes down to. Better to have an authority, and he says, I've given it to you. That's what we just read. Than have none at all. That's called anarchy. You know what anarchy is? That's when everybody does whatever they please. And there is no authority whatsoever. So think about this. The worst government is still better than anarchy. God gave government. Why did he give it to start with? Because of sin. The only institution God gave before sin was marriage. All the other things were afterwards. Why do we have human government? Because we have sinful people who do sinful things. And they need to be controlled. And that's what the government is. To protect us. That's the big deal. Everything else is a side issue. It is there. You want to talk about law and order? That's what the Bible talks about. No doubt about it. But it says that there is no authority except from God. Wow. Again, I'll tell you what. If it wasn't in the Bible and it wasn't so clear, I wouldn't preach this. 
Because I'd say, well, you know what? If they're wrong, uh, there's no way I'm going to be subject to them. It doesn't give me that option. I have to say what it says. And it says, these things have been by God. They're absolutely from God. In fact, is he goes on to say, verse 2, if you're following along, I hope you are. It says, therefore, he who resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. See, God gave an institution, human government. And he said, this is what you're opposing. You are doing something that you're opposing what God is doing. Now, that does not mean there's not the right to protest and to speak up and all those kinds of things. You're going to hear me do it lots of times. And you've, I've done it. But the point is, it's not about my motive. It's not about what I believe. It's about what God says ultimately. In fact is, in 1 Peter chapter 2, the one that I'm encouraging you to read, I'm just going to read it because it fits right here. It says, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether as a king, as one in authority, or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. I want to stop right there because a lot of people, and I've heard this, it's like, you know what? The government shouldn't legislate morality. Guess what? Even the worst government still don't allow murder. Guess what? That's a moral issue. Yes, governments do indeed legislate morality. Unfortunately, we have legalized things that God says are absolutely wrong. We've legalized abortion, which is killing. We've legalized homosexuality. We've codified it and saying, hey, it's okay. You can go get married no matter what sex you are or whatever. You know, you can do all these things. That's a whole other sermon. But the point is, doesn't mean government always gets it right. It's simply... That they make moral and ethical choices. And they absolutely do. The words that are used here for evil and good are moral, morally loaded words. A government needs to look at what is good and what is evil. And it doesn't have to do with, for example, I've used the example before, is people say, well, they ought to legalize prostitution because it's a victimless crime. Well, I disagree with that. But on the other hand, let's just assume they're right for a second. Prostitution is wrong because it's morally wrong. It's immoral. It's wrong. No matter if there's a victim or not, it's still wrong. That's just the way it is. But it says that they're there not only for the punishment of evildoers. Remember, the main uh, reason for government is to provide peace an orderly, godly, uh, the, the, I'm sorry, to provide the basis for godly, orderly, and peaceful living. How do I know that? Go back to 1 Timothy chapter 2, and you will find that we can live a quiet and tranquil life. That's why, that's why government was given, so that people weren't clawing everybody's eyeballs out. But it goes on, it says, in, in, I'm back in First uh, Peter chapter 2, it says, For such is the will of God, that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Here's your stewardship of government. When you do what is right, those that are without law, those that say, I'm in rebellion, I'm going to do whatever I want, you have a moral stand. 
You're using your stewardship. And then it goes, it says, act as free men and do not use your freedom as a cover for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Definitely talking about human government. But here's, here's the point. It says, act as free men. From the very beginning, it says, I voluntarily choose to rank myself under, to submit. God commands me to do it. And I personally have to make that. It's not somebody grabbing me and yanking me along and saying, you better submit. No. God says, no, no. As a good steward of government, you do it because it's the right thing to do. That's the bottom line. I would suggest to you that we have a lot of other things like voting, which is something you go, hey, I have a responsibility to have an input. And if I have an input, then I ought to use that input. And it says that if I oppose this authority that God has given us, you know, uh, last night, I, I don't know exactly what happened, but there was a town, I think it's Milwaukee, burning the place down again. You know, because somebody got mad about something. I don't know exactly what happened. But the point is, that's lawlessness. And when we resist the authority, God says, you have opposed what God is doing. You've opposed the ordinance of God, the institution of God. And guess what? There's an end result, and I'm going to close with this. But it says you receive the condemnation upon yourselves. I propose to you as Christians, we should be. First of all, you have to live for Christ. Your life needs to be upstanding, upright, and holy. But when you do that, you become a model citizen. Someone that they they can throw all kinds of accusations at you. But you come out saying... You know what? You throw anything at me you want, but here's what's going to happen. None of it's going to stick. Because your morals, your ethics, your life is above and beyond. It's higher than any expectation of government. Remember, rules only apply to those who have already broken them, who have already done evil. You know? I want to live above that. I don't ever want to have to get to that level. I want to live a life that's pleasing to God, above and beyond. Yeah, do I believe in law and order and justice and all those things that we've just begun to talk about? The answer is yeah, but I want to live above that, so I never even have to deal with that. Remember, even the Old Testament law, the Ten Commandments, for example, they were given because people were sinful and it simply showed them their sin and gave a penalty attached to it. If I live the way God wants me to do, I live above the law. I live at a higher standard than the minimum allowed. That's good stewardship of your life and that's good stewardship for us as Christians as we approach government. I'll tell you what, if you're sitting in your pew going, Paul, you have taken leave of your senses, I don't blame you. Seriously, don't blame you. That's why I want you to go back and read those passages one more time. One more thing. Just in case you think government is going to change everything, I'll give you a hint. Go back and read the Old Testament. Read the book of first, books of First and Second Kings, for example, and First and Second Samuel. Tell me which one of the kings of Israel you would vote for. 
most of them were bad news, really bad news. I mean, they were worse than the people. There were a few that were okay. Hosea was okay, but even in the end, he blew it. Somebody today said, well, I'd vote for David. Huh. David was one of the worst. How about his son? He just took what David did and went worse yet. The point is, we're not voting for theologian, theologian in chief. We're looking at government. And I have a responsibility. My mindset, my actions need to reflect what we saw here. Do I have all the answers? If I did, I'd probably be famous and write books and stuff like that. I don't. All I know is what God says, and it is absolutely clear that I'm commanded to work upon myself consistently to be subject to the government. I can work within the system, of course, but I need to start there. That's a tough place to be, but it's reality. Let's all stand together as we close. We're already late. Father... Thank you so much that uh, you give us the Word of God. Lord, you never promised that it would be easy. In fact, as you said, some of the things are really hard. This, to me, is one of the hardest. And Lord, I pray that as we've been reminded of what you say, that we would allow it to penetrate our lives and to act in accord with what you've told us. Lord, bless us as we endeavor to be good stewards in lieu of the government, in light of the government that you've given to us. Lord, thank you so much for reminding us that only Christ is the one that changes people. And I pray that we would live in such a way that our lives are above the law, that the law doesn't even start to touch us. Lord, thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless. Go with God and...